Turn your eyes up on Jesus. Keep your eyes up on Jesus. This is a beautiful day today, and the Lord has made it for you and for me, and he has made it for us to enjoy. So we're here to worship together, and I'm going to ask you to stand as we begin our service together. Welcome to First Baptist Sandy Springs.
it's hard to tell the night from day still that hope that lies within is reassured as I keep my eyes upon the distant shore I know he'll lead me safely to that blessed place he has prepared but if the storms don't cease and if the winds keep on blowing my soul has been storms keep on raging in my life and sometimes it's hard to tell my night from day still that hope that lies within is reassured as I keep my eyes upon the distant shore I know he'll lead me safely to that blessed place he has prepared but if the storms don't see
God's people said, Amen. goodness gracious, wow. Grayland, thank you. It, it, you're doing that, and, and as he does that, he means it. That's a personal testimony you're singing. I thought about that, and, and um, thought about how they started coming here. Uh, they started coming on Wednesday nights with their neighbor Jan Nash and Bob Nash. Bob is in heaven now, but I think they probably opened a window this morning so he could hear, he could hear that one. And um, so thank members, missionaries like Bob and Jan Nash, and because of them we have new church members like Graylin and Tatiana. And Wow, so thank you, Graylin, very much. So last week we ended in a cliffhanger. So we began talking about earth-shaking prayer. And I showed you an example of earth-shaking prayer where the room literally shook, but I didn't tell you how to do it. And today, how to shake the earth with your prayers. We're going there. A little background. In recent weeks, all of our study has been based on this one verse from Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, about the early church and their explosive growth. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And we've talked about teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread, and last week we started talking about prayer. And I told you a story from Acts chapter 3 of Peter and John healing a 40-something-year-old man who'd been lame since birth when they were on their way to the temple. And the leaders of the temple held them overnight and insisted they stop preaching about Jesus. 
And we ended with this scripture from Acts chapter 4 after they're let out of jail and they go back to the early church to their brothers and sisters. It says this. After they were released, they went to their friends and reported that the chief priests and elders had said to them, when they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, it is you who said by your Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in the city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Literally shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. And last week I repeated verse 31. When they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. And we ended with a question, how do you get earth-shaking prayers? And so to answer that, we have to look at what happened before the earth shook. Verse 23 and 24, we just read them. After they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and sea and everything in them. What they did here tells us a great deal about who they were and why their prayers caused the earth to shake. After they gathered and heard the story from John and Peter, the first thing they did was pray. Verse 24, when they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and they started to pray, Sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. That's interesting to me. They didn't question Peter and John about anything. They didn't devise a plan to get even with this kangaroo court. They didn't complain about how unfair the world was. They prayed. They got right to it. And it's interesting how their prayer began. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. The Greek word for Lord here is an unusual and an uncommon word. It means absolute master. A literal translation of the Greek word that's used here in English is the word despot. You don't hear that word very much, but it's usually not in very good terms, a despot. In this life on earth, a despot is an absolute ruler uh, with unlimited powers. And in the prayer, it's interesting, later on in the prayer, they mention some despots. Herod was a despot. He killed baby boys in Bethlehem, or he killed his own brothers and sisters and wives and children because he saw them as a threat to his rule. In the story, the Sanhedrin is a despot in earlier parts in chapter 3, in dealing with Jesus and the apostles, they dared to condemn them, the innocent, to death. They wrongly confiscated goods of Christians. And so at that time and place in the world, men of power who were despots were not able to be challenged. But the early church, 
raise their prayers to the despot in heaven, to the sovereign, absolute ruler God. And so here was an acknowledgement of a higher power, higher than Herod, higher than Pontius Pilate, higher than anybody on earth. And so the early church came to God in prayer acknowledging that he was over everything. They remembered who they were talking to. Do you think we do that all the time or you think we forget? You think sometimes when we pray we go through a routine and forget exactly who it is we're communicating with? If we want to pray earth-shaking prayers, we need to remember that we have a God who can shake the earth. We need to always remember that. As they prayed, they also recognized one another, another attribute of God, acknowledging that he was sovereign. On top of that, they also approached him as a creator. They talked to him who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. Paul, when he said our offertory prayer just a minute ago, began with the words creator God. And I love that he does that. It's comforting when we have difficulties, Grayland, when we have those things that rock our soul. We need to understand that we have the God that created everything on our side. And that's why Grayland sang about it. That's why Paul prayed about it. That's why it's being taught right here. Sovereign, almighty, creator. If your God is the creator of everything, then you have nothing to fear. And we live fearful lives because we forget that. The Bible is filled with sections of Scripture that are strong, and they're strong acknowledging God as the creator, and because he's the creator, it doesn't matter what happens. Psalms 46 comes to mind. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roam and fo- roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, That's how Psalms 46 begins. And it doesn't matter about the mountains and the sea because he created them in the first place. And whatever he wants to do with them, he can. Psalms 146, beginning at verse 5, says this. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord their God. And then it gets specific about him being creator. Who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, So happy are those who remember God as the creator. Isaiah 43 does this in the first couple of verses. Now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. And people love those verses. But one of the reasons we love them is it connects us to the creator who's so powerful. And so those early believers filled their minds with God as sovereign almighty God and as creator. I can't stress that enough. Remember who you're talking to when you pray. And what a privilege it is and what an honor it is and what an opportunity is and what a thrill it is and we should never get used to it. But sadly, we often forget that and we pray not realizing that we're in the presence of sovereign God, creator of everything. So they realized that. And to do, have the earth shake, you have to start with that. The next thing they did that will help us pray earth-shaking prayers is this. Their prayer six, when they heard it, the story about what happened, they raised their voices together to God, saying, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, 
It's you who said by your Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. You know what they're doing here? They're quoting the Old Testament. They're quoting Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Let me read you that, Psalm 2, 1 and 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. They prayed biblically. We have such an advantage today because we have the whole Bible to pray biblically. Remember where we started a few weeks back? We've already looked at this verse 42 today. They devoted themselves to, and the first thing was teaching. The early church was taught to pray in the right way. And you may ask, how do you pray in the wrong way? And I have a perfect example of that. Growing up in church, this church, having youth group and hearing Sunday school and hearing about prayer, I thought I would give it a shot. And so I'm 11, I'm 12 years old. And what does an 11 or a 12-year-old pray for? A Corvette. I'm not making this up. I thought, well, that would be a great answered prayer. I would love to have a Corvette. And so the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And my daddy wasn't going to get it for me. That would have been too much of a miracle. So I just decided to pray. And so I prayed earnestly and a lot for a Corvette. Now, at that age, I was proud that I was praying. My heathen friends weren't praying, but I was spiritual. (laughs) Praying for that vet. But I was praying wrongly. That's a great example of praying wrongly. A 12-year-old doesn't need a Corvette. A 60-year-old, yes, but a 12-year-old does not need a Corvette. The Bible explains this to us and warns us about praying wrongly. James chapter 4, verse 3 puts it this way that's so true. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your own pleasure. That's where I was. It was all about me and my pleasure and what I wanted, and my prayer had nothing to do with God and what he wanted. And that is wrong. Remember what Jesus said about this in John 15, 7. Jesus said this. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But you see the qualification for getting what you ask? Abide in me. Be like-minded. Let my word abide in you. Know what you're talking about. And ask and it will be done for you. Because you're asking things that are consistent with the will of God. Not like an immature 12-year-old. So true prayer is not telling God what to do, but asking God to do his will in us and through us. It means getting God's will done on earth. It doesn't mean getting man's will done in heaven. Not telling God what to do, but asking God to do his will through us is what we should be praying about. Back to our story. Notice the request of their prayer. They were under attack. They were imprisoned, falsely accused, threatened. The civil and religious powers that ganged up against Jesus were also now ganging up against them. And it's interesting in the prayer. 
Did they pray for their circumstances to change? No. Did they pray for their enemies to be put out of office? No. Did they pray for rescue? No. Did they pray for safety? Not at all. Here's what they asked, verse 29. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with boldness. That's all they asked. Not to change anything, not to fix anything, but to give them the ability in the current circumstances to speak the word with boldness. They didn't ask for protection. They asked for power. They didn't ask from fire to heaven to destroy the enemy, but from power from heaven to preach the word and heal the sick, to use what was going on for God's glory. So their great desire was for boldness to speak the name of Jesus in the face of all opposition. It's interesting. They didn't pray for easy lives. They prayed for relevant lives. And there's a difference in the two. I heard a prayer one time and I thought it was so beautiful. The man prayed, God, help me to do things that are totally disproportionate to who I am. And that's what they're doing. Praying to be stronger men and women. Praying to be equal to the task. Believing prayers fill us with God's power to do God's work. And that's what they're doing. And God will answer a prayer like this. He did. And that's what happened in the early church. So sometimes I think we still are praying wrongly at times. Finally, they want to glorify the name of Jesus. Verse 29 and 30. And now look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak with your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. It was the name of Jesus that mattered to these early Christians, not the needs of men. So what happened? Verse 31, where we left you last week, that is so exciting. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. I've always had a hard time imagining that. Finishing the prayer... And then all of a sudden you're in Southern California and the room begins to move. The Christians prayed and the building shook. What's that mean? Well, from the Old Testament time, God shaking things up signified the presence of God. Exodus 19, you remember this about the Ten Commandments? On the morning of the third day, beginning of verse 16 of Exodus 19, there was thunder and lightning as well as a thick cloud on the mountain and a blast of a trumpet so loud that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln while the whole mountain shook violently. God's done it before. God was there. And the greatest concentration back in Acts, when the people were playing, the greatest power in the world was not with the Sanhedrin, was not with the government, 
it was in that little room of Christians that were praying. And we forget that. Let's wrap this up. They prayed, and nothing will happen to shake this world in the right way without prayer. So you've got to do it. They remembered to whom they were speaking. Sovereign, almighty God, creator of the heavens and the earth. That's a great place to start. When you start to pray, remember who you're talking to. They prayed biblically for God's will, in God's will. They prayed for what God would want. And that's a key to our prayers today. Let me tell you how to shake the earth when you pray. Have a faith that is not shaky. Does that make sense? Have a faith that is not shaky. Pray. Know who you're praying to. Pray biblically. Pray that God will be exalted. That's not shaky faith. That's strong, biblical, prepared, taught faith. When we began this on prayer last week, I told you about my son Taylor. He was visiting with us last weekend. Jackson's fine, by the way. Thank you for your prayers. Last Sunday, I told you Taylor was 12,642 days old. It wasn't his birthday. I'm just a math nerd. And so today, he's 12,649 days old. And I told you that because I prayed for him every day of his life. And then I told you, no, we really prayed for him before he was born. So, and more than once a day, and that's just me, not his mother, So there's thousands and thousands of prayers there, and I'm just picking on Taylor today. Have they been answered? Taylor's a Christian. He married a Christian. He's training his two children, Jackson 6 and Annabelle 3. They're in church right now at the Church of the City in Nashville. Taylor has a wonderful ministry working with Dave Ramsey in Nashville. And our prayers have been answered. Is he rich in dollars? Nope. I didn't pray about that. Does he have a Corvette? Nope. He drives an old Volvo. Has the earth shook? Yeah. It has. We have to recognize it. Because Almighty Creator God has been faithful to answer biblical prayers in our life. And he still shakes this world. Let's see what we can do to do that even more. Let's pray together. Lord, there are so many answered prayers in this room. Thank you for them. We celebrated with David walking to church after a hip replaced just few weeks ago, Karen and Clayton being here after finishing her treatment. We come here today, some of us probably shouldn't be here. We didn't get the best start in life, and it wasn't that important, but here we are because you shook our world. Grayland sang today because of neighbors like Bob and Jan, because of a Savior like you. So Father, help us to be people of prayer knowing to whom we are talking 
as we speak now, it's the creator of everything that listens. While we have you, God, we ask that you would shake this world through us for your glory, not ours. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this week as you pray.